Hello, everybody. Welcome to the Pro Football Show. It is Tuesday, April 28th. As we'll continue to break down the draft and everything surrounding the world of pro football, not a huge day of news. Got some information in the notebook for you if you want to check that out. Um, Got some signings. Um, We've got all the free agent signings. Uh, team by team. We've got all that for you. The Seahawks released Justin Britt. Um, some exercising on fifth-year options. Jameis Winston to New Orleans seems like a thing. Uh, we went into that yesterday. But we're going to break down and we're going to start doing this. Uh, we're going to take a division each day and kind of break down uh, the draft and take a look at things for you uh, from that standpoint give you a feel for how they did. We'll probably go, um, oh, let's see. I mean, we'll probably start with the East. We'll start with the AFC East today, and then we'll maybe go to the NFC East, and we'll do that. But a reminder of a couple of things. We've, uh, If you've got a question that you want me to address specifically, go ahead and send it to um, LandryFootball.com. Go to LandryFootball.com and hit Contact Chris, and we can – Certainly address it for you. We've got a few to address today. Remember, didn't get to the questions yesterday. We're going to get to it today. Um, Reminder, about 401K Generation, the great folks there um, sponsoring this podcast for us, allowing us to talk football with you each and every day. We've got, of course, on the college show, we've got uh, the breakdown a little bit by conference, and we'll kind of take it in that direction. But all the latest news and notes each and every day, um, we've got it covered for you on the pro and college scene. And it's all brought to you by Eddie Rojas and his team at 401K Generation. So give them a call, give them a text at one 998 5879 They're licensed in all 50 states. They can help you get you through this very stressful time in investments and preparation for your financial future. We know all that is a huge concern to everyone. So we appreciate you, um, you know, reaching out to them. And we appreciate what they're doing to help so many folks uh, in this uh, situation. No obligation phone call or text. one 5879 And, um, Make sure that uh, you check out LandryFootball.com. As I mentioned, detailed draft breakdown. We're going to have, obviously, uh, a lot of things going forward. People have asked me, what are you going to do now? Well, we've got the certainly the analysis of all the rosters, the college and pro game. We've got that covered for you, and that's what we're going to do with you and for you. So we want to make sure that you're on board and understanding that we're preparing for a football season. There's going to be some football at some point. And as long as that's the case, we're here to evaluate players, teams, coaches, and schemes. And that's what we're here for you to, uh, to here to do for you. So that's what we've been doing for a number of years now. Certainly what we do for NFL teams and a, with Landry Football Operations. So uh, we're, we're not going anywhere. We're still going to be here breaking all of that down. So we hope that you are with us to get into all the latest. Uh, Along those lines about where things are headed, it has been floated out there, nothing official, but floated out there that October 15th is about the deadline 
for a 16-game schedule to be completed by February. Um, <clears throat> that's basically week six under normal circumstances. And they would want a 16-game schedule to be completed by the end of February. In, in that scenario, regular season buys would be eliminated, as well as traditional off weeks between conference championship games and the Super Bowl. Um, for now, the league's still planning on a, on a normal schedule release by May 7. Uh, but it's going to be constructed in a way that's going to allow easy reconfiguration. So we'll see how this plays out. I don't know what that means in terms of specifically. You've heard me say that it would make sense that they would schedule the out-of-conference games in the first four weeks of the season. But what I'm understanding is if they don't do that, that they're going to – there's possibility that they could just schedule it as per usual. And then maybe if they have to eliminate, say, four games or two games or whatever, they could reconfigure the schedule to maybe change the order of some of the games, meaning if you're going to eliminate one game, two games, three games, four games – it would be better to eliminate the games in the other conference. It makes the sense in the world, and, and it's all the sense in the world. We'll see what the league does, but uh, the May 7th, which is shoot right around the corner, as May 1st is Friday, so we're talking about uh, next Thursday, a look at um, – things with regard to the schedule release. So we'll see how that plays out. Um, some news around the league. Seahawks have released Justin Britt, as I mentioned. Uh, nothing really major, nothing really earth-shattering there um, that was expected. No news yet on um, – under Davian Clowney. It looks like things are going to go through with Jameis Winston to the Saints. We got into that. No need to get into it more today. Want to spend a little time, kind of go through um, maybe a division, go through different teams, go um, through things a little bit. And so let's talk a little bit AFC East. It's the best way to kind of get through and kind of go through how things may play out. Um, we've got a pick-by-pick -pick analysis. But when you look at the Bills, I uh, thought they got good value with A.J. Epineza at 54 and Zach Moss at 86 and Gabriel Davis at 128. And, you know, depending on what you think of him, Jake Fromm at 167. I think Tyler Bass is a really strong-legged kicker. I like Isaiah Hodgins at Oregon State. Dane Jackson, those are their picks. Key free agent signings, Trey Adams, uh, is really intriguing probably more than any. So the Bills traded away their first in 2020, their fifth and their sixth, as well as a fourth-round pick in 2021 for Stephon Diggs and a seventh-round pick this past year. Which, um, with Diggs and Brown and Cole Beasley, they've got a pretty good trio of receivers now. Um, as I mentioned, A.J. Epineza fell right in their lap. Look, this guy is not the wow athlete 
and he doesn't have really good burst. But this is a first-round talent with really good power and versatility. He's got an effective win rate. I think he can push and shorten the corner from the edge, and he's going to produce some pressures and defend the run. That's good value, a starting quality defensive end is, well, it's it's worth an awful lot in my view. I think it's worth an awful lot. Um, you know, I don't know that he can be this good, but he plays similarly to Cam Jordan when Cam came out of Cal. They can get this type of production, and you can get it on the second round at 54th overall pretty good. Um it's a power game, great use of hands, good versatility. Um, there are not many backs that can compete with an elusive quality with Zach Moss. He's outstanding. He's not going to wow you with speed, but he's got some size, some vision, some hands. He's got some elusiveness. Really good pick there. Um, Jake Fromm is definitely a game manager. We'll see if he can improve his arm strength a little bit. Good decision maker. I think he's a quality backup. That's what he is. He's completely different than Josh Allen. Kind of intriguing how that plays out because he's a completely different. Uh, Dane Jackson posted double-digit breakups for three state seasons at Pitt. Competitive guy. Isaiah Hodgins at, at uh, 6'4", 210. Productive three-year starter. Really patient route runner. Doesn't have great juice with him. As I mentioned, Tyler Bass is, uh, I think he's, I think he's going to be their kicker. I mean, I think that's what they drafted him for. He's very accurate. I, I think he's really accurate. He's improved upon that. Great leg. Um, Gabriel Davis, 6'2", um, 216, big frame. Um does a good job on hitches and slants and pulse. Got some double moves to his game. So I like, I like um, you know, I thought the Bills did a really solid job. This is a good roster, good team, and so I'm excited about what they were able to get done. The Miami Dolphins. Obviously the story of the draft early on was Tua, and where was he going to go? And, look, we don't know. <clears throat> you hear all the rumors didn't make sense to me they would pass on Tua. The issue was, do you go up and get him? And I think that was a legitimate question because I don't think you move around and run the chance of missing him. Now, if they did it, played a little Russian roulette, they dodged a bullet, as we like to say in Russian roulette. Um, they got their guy. Uh, it tells me that they had maybe Justin Herbert, that they liked some too, and they just said, we feel good about getting one of them. <clears throat> In other words, if San Diego had jumped up ahead of them and taken them, they would have been comfortable with Herbert is what my guess is. That's what this move would indicate to me. Um, so let's take a look at, at uh, you know, Austin Jackson was certainly got a lot of upside. He's young, maybe a bit overvalued, as was Igobine, who is not – a really good cover guy, but is a press man that can run. Hunt is a physical run blocker. Wokwan Davis, 
as intriguing. Right, Brandon Jones, a little bit intriguing to me. Kinley's a good run blocker. I think Strawbridge is good value. I think Curtis Weaver is good value. Blake Ferguson is a uh, interesting um, pick there, guy that is, you know, a deep snapper only guy. Uh, I do like the signing of Benito Jones as an undrafted free agent. The fact that Miami didn't move up from fifth and they got away with it is is big. With his accuracy in the pocket, his presence, leadership, I, I think this the future is very good at quarterback for Miami. Now you got to do the the other part. Um, Austin Jackson, as I mentioned, is going to be a project technically and physically. His play strength is not what you're looking for yet. You can work on that. Um, didn't. Did not grade out well against um, Epineza or Aquora or Bradley and I. Um, Igabine, as I said, very poor ball skills. Drafting on potential. Robert Hunt is a really nasty run blocker. He can play right guard or right tackle. I think he's a guard. Um, he's not much of a pass protector at this point. Roquan Davis is all the length you could possibly want in the inside. Definition of a run stuffer. Created high very well there. They um, may be a little bit overvalued in, in terms of he doesn't get you much in a passing game, but a really good run defender. And that's a big part of what, obviously, Brian Flores wants, building that defensive line. Got to have run stuffers, and you've got one. Brandon Jones was struggled a bit in Texas's defense. He was exposed a great deal. Um, he might be a guy they work in the slot. I don't know that he's going to be a good fit deep in coverage. Curtis Weaver is a very productive player. Doesn't have great bursts, but he's got really good power, really good bend. Um, Malcolm Perry, of course, split time between quarterback and slot back in his first three seasons at Navy. He's got really good quickness, really good feet. And it'll be interesting to see if they can find some touches for him. Um, Blake Ferguson was the best deep snapper in college football. He brings very good zip, very good accuracy. His times are very good. Strobridge is is an intriguing guy. Three-year starter at North Carolina. He's caught between being an edge rusher and defensive tackle. He's going to need to transform his body one way or the other. But he's best suited as a rotational player. I think he'll line up inside on passing downs. Developmental guy. Let's also throw in that the part of their draft is they acquired Matt Breida from the 49ers in exchange for a uh, 153 in this draft. <clears throat> so a good physical back Um that can combine with Jordan Howard. Um, you got to throw him in as as a, as a back that uh, we talked about how they would maybe be in the mix with some of the picks. Well, they used one of them for Breda. Solomon Kinley, as I mentioned, three-year starting guard at Georgia. Had slowed a little bit by injuries. Raw power and size are really appealing and very inconsistent pass protection. Um, he regressed this past year, didn't grade out very well next to Andrew Thomas, but he's a solid guy that is going to be a, um, at the very least, a really good run blocker at the next level. Um, we talked a little bit about 
Jones and part of the issue is a little bit over aggressiveness. He's a decent athlete. Think can be a good special teams player. I think a starting box safety, uh, you know, covering big slots is what is going to be his strength. Um, Roquan Davis has had some production and maturity issues, but this guy can can really – he's got good strength and really defend the run. Again, I like the run-blocking ability of Robert Hunt. Igabine, again, is can compete as a nickel, just a superb athlete. Austin Jackson, um, really – you see that he's got natural feet. But you see him struggle on tape quite a bit. So good. Listen, I think there's some reaches there. But I let me just say this overall. You're not going to hear A, B, C, D, E. That's in three years. There is no separation between drafting players and developing them. You have to do both. And that's needs to be understood it's often misunderstood and you know you you can't evaluate it right now no I look at maybe what I would have done if it were me that's you know so what it's how a guy plays out in the end and and all that will be determined and come out in the wash later down the road let's take a look at New England uh, interesting free agent signings. I think Will Hastings was a good signing. Uh, Miles Bryant was a good signing. They traded away their first-round pick for the Chargers' second, third-round picks, and it's what they do. They trade about 59 60% of the time. They trade out of their spot. Now, they've got very athletic Kyle Duggar, played for Lenore Ryan. Um, he's not real instinctive, but very athletic. Uh, and he did a great job at the senior bowl. He forced two incompletions and really played well in coverage, which really helped his cause a lot because he's doing it a good, good competition there. But it's not a large sample size. Um, I, I think that um, what I like about it most is the fact of where he's going, that they've got five or six starters in the secondary. And we'll see how they they can develop him, bring him along slowly, and I think that's going to help. Josh Yushi, our typical Patriot man, typical guy that lines up on the edge as an off-the-ball linebacker, can fill gaps against the run, ask them to do what they do in coverage. I mean, this is this is what this guy does. <laughs> Every time they find these type of guys, and Josh Yushi is – a perfect fit to fit that mold. You know the guys that they've had can line up from a two-point stance and rush, field gaps, defend the run, really good player. Um, Anthony Jennings, not great athlete, not a great pass rate, good production, very smart, got some position for versatility at linebacker. Uh, Asase has the size and blocking ability to hold up on his own in line, can move the chains. Uh, safer pick than Keene, who we'll talk about in a second. But um, Keene was, you know, Asase has, has got some two-way ability, size blocking ability and movement skills. It's pretty impressive. Just not elite. Keene has um, got a little bit more upside, flash some 
run after catch ability. Good athlete. Don't see him more as an H-back type of guy. I, I think that's clearly what they're going to try to do, try to work the backs in the tight ends, H-backs in the short passing game for the young quarterback. Um, as clearly they're going with Stidham. Um, Michael Unowu, 6'3", 350 pounds, doesn't have great quickness. Very rarely did uh, someone go through him in pass protection. The biggest adjustment is going to be this offensive line without Dante Skarnacchia. Uh Dustin Woodard started 52 games at Memphis. Going to have a hard time making the roster. Um, the linebacker from Wyoming, Casa Malulia, is versatile guy that can be a special teams player. Justin Heron, who I think is going to have to play guard, um, tackle from Wake Forest. Team captain type of guy, smart guy, body type of a guard, going to be fighting for a roster spot. Marshall's kicker, Justin Rowasser, um, big, strong, 6'3", 230 pounds. Um, you know, he's, he's look, it's his job. Made 79 of 82 extra points, 33 of 42 field goals, strong leg, good kickoff. Bill does a good job evaluating kickers and understanding it. Um, it's a, again, like all these drafts, time will tell, but very intriguing um, and certainly going to depend upon what they're able to do at quarterback and what they're able to get out of that position and how they're able to protect them. But it's going to be built, I think, a lot around the running game, being more physical, playing good defense. It's going to be the key. For this Patriots team. For the Jets, Makai Becton, Denzel Mims, Ashton Davis, really good players. Jabari Zaninga, LaMichael Perrine, a developmental quarterback. Bryce Hall at corner on the fifth round. Brandon Mann, a really good punter. I thought some good things coming out of this Jets draft. Becton is the one that's going to make or break it because he can be an elite player. Or it can be a disappointing guy that you're wondering, oh, boy, really, really good. Now, Denzel Mims, another project, but he's 6'3", 215, elite athleticism, body control, and he's the best red zone receiver in this draft. Ashton Davis is one of the best single high safety prospects in the class. Uh, really good in coverage, special athlete. Zaninga is another great athlete. D the film's not as good. Really good athlete. Bryce Hall probably would have gone a lot would have definitely gone a lot higher if he came out last year. This past year, not all that good. Tell the Jets to do their homework by looking at junior films. Six one, it's long. He's got really good ability. I thought Lamar Jackson was a good undrafted free agent signing. Six two two oh eight. Really good player. He's got some length. Scrappy guy. Um, he's got the versatility to move to safety. This guy's a make-it player. L Lawrence Cager from Georgia's receivers, another good signing. Uh, big guy, large catch radius. I think this guy can at least be on the practice squad. Really good player. Quincy Wilson uh, was a six-round pick. Um, not He'll have to fight for some some snaps in that backfield to, to contribute at corner. Uh, Brandon Mann, 
I thought was the best punter. Good explosive legs. Uh, we mentioned Bryce Hall talked about his ability, his length. Um, it's not real fluid, but I think it's really good as his own corner and got some strength to him. Cameron Clark um, at 129. Tackle from uh, Charlotte, 6'4", 308. Big man for his size. Um, I thought he did a good job against Clemson. Uh, in fact, he was one of the more impressive guys that blocked Clemson this past year. And I think that really helped him get drafted. Uh, James Morgan is an interesting developmental guy. Drop back passer, got arm talent. Like the idea of taking a guy like that in development. I like Michael Perrine, uh, LaMichael Perrine. Um, th- there's just nothing special about him athletically, but this guy's just a good, versatile, tough, rotational back. Zaninga's got upside. Uh, his floors, you know, he's, he just disappears a lot. He's got versatility, can play every position on the line of scrimmage, doesn't dominate as much as I think he, he could have and should have. Ashton Davis is, as I mentioned, really good. Mims and, of course, Becton. Uh, I thought it was um, – look, I'm not going to sit here and tell you everybody's draft was great, but the reality is there are not a lot of players that, that I'm not crazy about. I think a lot of these players are good. Teams did a really good job. And we're going to get into position by position. I think tomorrow we'll go ahead and do probably the NFC East, and we'll break down each division each and every day. Let's get to some questions to round off the show. Um, let's. Um, this is a question on Twitter by Josh Rosen. Is his current situation a lack of talent or byproduct of some bad luck? Seems like team like Indy, New England, Pittsburgh would have tried trading for him this weekend for no other reason to see if there's anything there. First of all, Josh Rosen um, – I don't know that he's not going to be with Miami. It makes sense for me to keep him because he's low monetary value. He doesn't have trade value. I mean, he doesn't have really good trade value. And um, so you, you think there'd be teams, well, not not really, not really. Uh, I, I think there's some value in him, um, but not big value. I don't know whether he's going to make it. I think he'll get another job if he doesn't. But I think there's limitations there. I don't think there's any doubt about it. And uh, I think that's going to be a uh, an issue going forward to see where he ends up and whether he, maybe he end, stays in Miami. And, and, look, he's at a low price value rookie contract. Uh, a lot of it has been to teams and situations, but a lot of it is his growth. He just hasn't – his – Focus and I think desire to be great is a little limited, and I think it's held him back. It's what we talked about when he was coming out. Uh, Jacob asked, "Do you think Denver would be a good landing spot for Cam? Do you think there might be a negative situation for?" Um, no, I think this is Drew Locke's team, and I think Cam wants to go somewhere where they're trying to to develop. Or where he's got a chance to maybe compete, and I I don't think that's I don't think it's an issue with Drew Locke's confidence. I just don't think it's a really good fit. We'll, we'll see. We'll see what they do. Um, 
do you have any insight if there was any offers at all to the Lions and Giants about moving up? Yeah, they had conversations, but nothing worth moving down for. Um, but there's nothing that wasn't a really good offer. Or nothing was there was there simply no team behind the Chargers and Giants looking to move up for one of the quarterbacks? Well, no, it was Miami and the Chargers. So no one behind the Chargers and the Giants are moving up. But Jacob, nobody is. The the Lions and the Giants are not going to move beyond the Chargers at six. I mean, you know, no, Carolina wasn't going to make a move, and um, Jacksonville wasn't going to make the move, and they're not going to want to go all the way down to nine if you're Detroit or you're the Giants. So the move was only going to be if Miami or the Chargers wanted to move up because then you can move down a couple of spots and still get an elite player. So, And those teams – didn't want to move up. And I think it was because both were comfortable with both quarterbacks, Tua and Herbert, that they just decided to stay, felt their chances of getting one. A little bit risky, but they got away with it. Kevin asked, the Bucks were in an interesting position with the 14th pick in the draft. As you already know, there was an early run on offensive linemen, and Tristan Wurst was the only 6'5 graded offensive lineman left on the board. Uh, the 49ers were on the clock with the 13th pick. They decided to trade with the Bucks, meaning they would swap first-round picks, acquire a fourth-round pick from the Bucks. The Bucks would acquire San Francisco's seventh-round pick. When San Francisco was on the clock at 13, there was one 6'9 player on the board, a board yes, um, Javon Kinlaw, nine 6'5 players, Judy Lamb, Chason, Wirfs, Epineza, Blaylock, Jefferson, Queen, and McKinney. If you're the Bucks. Wouldn't the most logical thing to do is just sit there with the 14th pick? There's only one pick between you and Wirfs, and Wirfs is gone, then there will be a 6-9 player on the board and other 6-5 six, six, players to choose from. Why give up a potential starting caliber player by surrendering a fourth-round pick for just moving up? One spot with nine other players. Okay, Kevin, that's my board. That's not the Bucks' board. And I've explained that several times. They may not have seen them that way. Two, they were definitely going and felt the need to get a right tackle. As I've said many times, they didn't have a starting right tackle, and to find one at this point in free agency wasn't going to happen. So while they had other players on the board that were good, none of them were tackles. And there was definitely – conversations with other teams looking to move up for the tackle. So the Bucks are looking at Wirfs as, A, one of two possibilities. Wirfs might have been the higher player on their grade chart and on their board may have been the highest rated guy and there may have been a gap. And it also was at a position of need. Or he was one of a few guys but the only one on the offensive line, and with that being a priority, they felt the value was there. So I got no problem with it. They're a plug-and-play, put the guy. Yeah, you would prefer to keep the fourth-round pick, but, you you know, again, you're, you're making the assumption on what I would have done and what I would have thought in a generic team sense, not specifically with the Bucks. And again, my situation, I like worse at right tackle. 
Um, you know, but I, I probably would have, you know, looked hard at, at Kinlaw, and I, I might have considered that. But that's – they may have had a medical on Kinlaw. may not have wanted him. Um, they, they weren't – in their mind, they weren't going to add another receiver. They may have had concerns about Chase on and not, don't have him rated that high. Epineza's a left end that's not a great pass rusher. Maybe they didn't like him that much. I'm a little bit higher on Blacklock than other people are. I like him. Maybe they didn't like him as much. Um, you know, Jefferson, same thing. Receiver. Queen and, and uh, you know, I, those are guys that they weren't going to take at linebacker. So on their board, even if all of those guys they saw similarly, there's only one guy that's the right tackle there. So that's what you're missing is it's their board. It doesn't make them right. It doesn't make them wrong. It's their board's what they think. So you don't know what their board looks like, and that's the part I stress everybody. Now, I can grade and tell you what I like in a generic sense, but I'm not, you know, um, there are 32 different draft boards out there, and I stress that a lot. I don't think people quite get that. Um, But – all right, appreciate you going to appreciate the questions. Got any more questions, go to LandryFootball.com, hit Contact Chris, and send them to me. It's also where you want to go if we can help promote your business. Uh, if you're looking to brand your business and yourself, we can absolutely do that. Contact us today, and we'll get in touch with you. And you do that by hitting Contact Chris on LandryFootball.com. Also, sign up Landry Football's conference call. Wherever you sign up for podcasts, get this podcast as well as our college podcast. Drop to you on your phone each and every day. Check out LandryFootball.com with our scouting season offer. Get a complete breakdown of every pick on every team in detail, as well as all the great inside information that we have, all the great analysis, roster analysis, college NFL, we got it covered for you. As well as um, check out our great friends a no-obligation contact with 401k generation. Outstanding folks can help you with money management, investment inquiries, planning your finances. Give them a call today. Give them a text today. Either way, the same number, 1-866-998-5879. That's 1-866-998-5879. They're licensed in all 50 states, so they can help you regardless of where you're listening to this podcast. Check them out, and we appreciate you joining us. Join us again tomorrow for more pro football talk, and uh, see you on the college football side as well as we've got ACC football and beyond today and Big Ten football and beyond on Wednesday. So talk to you over there. Appreciate you joining us.